Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Confessions of an IT Business Owner. <laughs> we are so excited to have you back with us today. I'm Taylor Thorson, joined by podcast host Ryan Goodman. We have a super exciting um, episode today for you guys with Mike Bloomfield from Techie Geek. Lots of good information, mm-hmm. lots of fun, great yeah. guy. Um, we talk a little bit about uh, his MSP business model, which is really interesting. He has one half, which is a pure play MSP. The other half of his business, he does uh, audio visual um, for residential clients. Right. And so um, that's something that uh, both helped him and, and hurt him a little bit in the pandemic. And he talks about that a little bit. Right. And we also talk a lot about the power of saying no. Mm-hmm. And this was my favorite part for sure, because as a business owner, I think we just say yes, say yes, take all the clients you can. And he really talks about how saying no is powerful and having the right fit is so important. Yeah, I agree. Uh, accommodation of every request from a client can actually get you into a position where you can have some real business problems. Right. So, And so he talks through the, the strategy and the why, not just saying no, but the why uh, around that it. concept, which is really important. But yeah, you won't want to miss out on this. Thank you so much again for joining and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Mike, thank you for joining us today on Confessions of an IT Business Owner. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day, especially on a Friday. What are we doing here on Friday afternoon, by the way? I don't know. Your team scheduled it, not me. That's a good point. Guys, (laughs) there are people behind the camera here that you can't see. Why are we here on a Friday afternoon? Three o'clock, I was supposed to be home. And if this is for IT business owners, clearly... I'm a child. I'm not an IT business owner. Just look at the toys. I was just going to say, it's going to be really hard to shop for something cool for you. I'll, don't worry. I'll give you the website where I shop. It's fine. Sounds good. You, I, I, I take it you got a list that you can just email out? <laughs> yeah, I have a one list. But look, you could just send me a Stormtrooper helmet you got there. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's that's game. Is that, is that an actual like wearable helmet, though, or is it like a candy bowl? You know, if I was to go try right now, I would probably get in big trouble for messing up lighting, camera angle. But uh, maybe I'll shoot you a picture after the show and I'll try to fit it on my head. How about that? There you go. (laughs) All right, cool. Well, Mike, again, thanks. I would love to have you tell us a little bit about the Mike Bloomfield story, how how you broke into the industry. Sure. So Mike Bloomfield, I am the president geek of Techie Geek. We're a managed service provider. We're based in uh, Staten Island, New York. Um, I always like to say this. You can learn about Staten Island by watching Impractical Jokers, yes. uh, Mob Wives, and uh, Jersey Shore. gives you a good <laughs> overview, a little bit about our sense of humor and our ties to the mafia. Um, but other than that, um, you know, uh, being in IT now for, honestly, since I was in high school. So yeah. I, I, I got a, a passion for IT very early on, and... That passion grew, brought me to college, and I'm happy to say I'm a college dropout. Very happy to be successful, very proud of it. Uh, they asked me to speak a lot at, for high school kids, and the first thing I say is I'm a high school drop, uh, college dropout, and uh, they're like, the teachers, it, but it is Points what it is. Well, but I went, to, I, I went into school for originally computer engineering. Sure. And while I was in for computer engineering, I got offered a job in the field what I was studying for. So I took the jumping leap and went to work. And I was trying to do that whole work and, and, and school at the same time, 40 mm-hmm. hours school work for, you know, tw- I think I was taking 16 credits. Brutal. It doesn't work. Um, 
but I was gaining this experience. And I worked for a company that many people here will hate me for. It was called American Traffic Solutions. What we did was uh, we made red light cameras. Oh, and so you, I don't know if you have in North Dakota, you guys got a lot of snow. I don't think you have many roads. Um, we but, get pulled on, over on horses, man. <laughs> <laughs> but red light cameras. So I was brought in to be employee number one of a merger of two companies, one being based in Staten Island and the, the headquarter, the main company being in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. Um, and I was brought in to become a field technician as they were expanding nationwide to install red light cameras. Um, from that, I, I, I was with them for a number of years, but hard worker. The company went from when I was number one of the merger, hmm. 32 overall. By the time I left seven years later, over 900 employees. Oh, wow. I managed a team of over 30 when I had left. Um, I learned everything I, I was asked to learn, and I got sick of traveling for silly stuff. I would, be, I would fly from New York to Capitola, California to get off a plane, rent a bucket truck, drive to a location, go up, plug a laptop into it, plug in an RS-232 port, type a command in a command prompt. And this was an embedded system back then, yeah. you know, before raspberries and everything were around, to make a change to a configuration, close it up, go down, drive the bucket truck back, get on a flight. So I would literally fly there, all this for five minutes on a location, to make a change to a setting for a speed threshold That's or an crazy. adjustment to a sensitivity. So I went to my boss and I, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't travel. There's got to be a way for us to do this remotely. There's got to be a way to allow me. And he goes, here, I'll give you access to the development team. If you can figure it out, you created yourself a position. Hmm. No problem. A uh, month later, we were able to make adjustments to uh, remotely. Basically, at the time, it was IP to RS-232 converters. All the photo booths had internet because they would push in, not photo booths, all the red light cameras would push back their, the tickets. Yeah. So I created my booth, uh, my, my, my own job, and we grew that. And by the time I left that company, I was a manager of product engineering. I had lived in Scottsdale, Arizona, beautiful weather opposite of where you are. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, my I got engaged and my wife was from here in New York and then we looked into, I want, she wanted to go back to New York. And I got, I was talking to somewhere where I interned between high school and college. Um, and he said, what have you been doing? I told him what I do. He goes, well, that's exactly what I need to do. So I went to work for the United, the biggest photo booth manufacturer in the United States. Okay. I was the head of R and D and their IT department. Same kind of concept. We took development from our house to in-house. Mm -hmm. It's managing endpoints. That's all it is. Like a photo booth is just a, it's a, you get your photo strip, you take your pictures, but we have thousands of them out there. You're maintaining them. You're doing pushing updates. You're pushing software updates. Right. You're managing endpoints. Um, but eventually I got mad at my boss, like most people do and most <laughs> entrepreneurs do, and decided it was time to go work for myself. And it was the week of uh, Christmas into New Year's of 2012. Uh, so January 2nd, 2013, I filed the paperwork uh, to stop my business. And here we are now eight years later. Um, and it was the best thing that I, that I did. That's awesome. So that was that was the beginning then of uh, Techie Geek. Became unemployable, said enough is enough. Yeah, enough is enough. Roll. I want to work for myself. 
cool. I want to control my own destiny. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing better than working for yourself. And if you want a little more, a little history that most people don't know about me. So back in high school, Half-Life, video game, one of my favorite video games, yeah. Valve Software. Um, I started creating and programming Half-Life mods. Um, I was offered to work on the original Counter-Strike. No way. So I was in the forums, but I was creating my own mod. I was like, I, Gooseman, I think was his name, the one who created Counter-Strike. I was like, I don't need to do this. I got my own thing. <laughs> yeah, well, my mod went nowhere, and Counter-Strike became yeah. Counter-Strike. So we don't always make the best decisions. But start my own business, I did. I was going to say, you probably also cut yourself in on 10% of that efficiency lift by uh, managing stoplight cameras remote, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I don't get any stoplight cameras now. I got my, it's right in there. My license plate goes through. It's like, no, that's Mike. Throw it out. <laughs> You're good. To, hey, that's actually a huge benefit. I mean, that's a good, that's. And perfect. that doesn't really happen. Please don't be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just kidding. We'll cut that out or not. I don't know. We'll see no, what we happens. Yeah, we'll. <laughs> So from from what I understand, you know, in our earlier conversations, you run a your business really kind of runs a dual service model between MSP and consumer electronics. I mean, does that does that create any challenges for your team? Like, you know, how does that model run? Because it's a little bit different than, you know, um, maybe many pure play, you know, MSPs that that are on the. On the yeah. Call. So let's start with why. Sure. As an MSP. You never get thanked. You install a server. You make uh, businesses uh, uh, more efficient. You help protect them from ransomware. They don't thank you. They don't get excited. They go, yeah, all right, great, thank. Here's the check. So it was a little selfishness of me that eventually I like to see people get excited for what we're doing. Yeah. I always had a passion for home theaters, home automation. Yeah. Um, so we started a, a division of the company that focuses on home theater build outs smart homes, automation. We won't touch residential computers. We are strictly business IT, business mm -hmm. managed services. I won't touch a residential computer, but I'll build a residential, a home theater, we'll do automation, we'll do whole house Wi-Fi. That we will do. Cool. Um, and the main reason being, there's nothing more exciting than when you're building a, a theater for a client and you sit them down in that seat. You go, all right, we're done. Let's demo this. Sit down here. What's your favorite movie? And you throw that movie in and you watch them smile and light up. And so it's that little selfishness part of me that why I started that. Um, but it definitely adds challenges. Sure. So the reason being um, staffing, it creates an issue because I, I do use some of my staff that kind of teeters on both sides. Sure. So my field technicians uh, will be the ones who will help the, the guys who normally do my cabling, my low voltage wiring on the business side will be the same guys that will wire up, hang the TVs, hang theaters as well. Um, but where it does bring an issue is we're strictly business IT. Our hours of support are strictly uh, business hours. Right. When will someone have potentially an issue with their theater? It's when the business owner gets home from work and sits down and goes to watch TV. That's one reason why at one point we were looking and focusing on even potentially bringing managed services to a residential gotcha. in terms of for theater owners, business owners. And I said, you know what, let's pull it back a little because I don't want to have to staff for that. You know, right. it, it's a tough way to staff. So right. we, we do it. We do a ton of automation. We do a ton of theater build outs. Um, 
We'll try to support them after hours, but really, I don't. We don't promise that. We yeah. promise now. You need support. We'll fit you in during our hours. Yep. This is what we do. But that is one of the challenges: is the hours differ. Do you find it difficult to set expectations in those circumstances with those customers? Because I, this is just you know me kind of riffing, but my guess is you know those are going to be higher end clients. You know that you're doing that kind of work for and. Um, a lot of times they have expectations uh, associated with that personality type, right? So it's, I think it's all about setting expectations up front. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the biggest thing I think a lot of us, especially early on, you know, we make that mistake where we might not set the proper expectations. Yeah, right. we could do that. Yeah, oh, you need it done in a week, even though in the back of our head, we're like, what are they crazy? Happen, yeah. it's, it's set those expectations. It's the, it's, and we talk about this a lot. It's the ability to say no, no. I, I wish I could provide you this service in a week, but let's looking through lead times. Here's what I need. It's going to be two to three weeks. When I commit to something, I want to make sure I'm going to deliver on that. Yeah. I, 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 I rather over promise and then, and, and deliver early to them. Um, then the, or I guess the other way don't, you know, but I don't want to over promise yeah. and not meet that goal. I rather right. tell them three weeks and finish in two weeks. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, the under-promise, over-deliver concept. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's super uh, powerful. It's, it's, and, and that's what I do. And I, so I set those expectations up front. Now, it's the, they, might, they might choose not to work with me. Well, you can build my theater. But what happens if I watch TV at 1030 at night and I can't watch movie? I'm very sorry. We're going to build this theater in a way that ideally you're not going to need support. Right. Everything's going to work as should. But, of course, there are things that could go wrong. We'll get to you the next business day. Sure. Not everyone's going to understand that, and but right. that's a choice I made for. What am I going to do? Staff people just to take calls if they're going to call. Well, and one of the things that's really uh, you know interesting again from earlier conversation, um, you know, this kind of flows into uh, your standards around uh, uh, service stack, but also clearly around setting expectations for that side of the business, which is really unique, you know, compared to maybe you know many of the individuals listening to to the program here. Um, what's your philosophy on that topic, which is basically you're a believer in saying no if it doesn't fit or it's, hey, it's my way or the highway. Yeah, so I, I, I've been, I, I, about two weeks ago, I came up with this example and I, I, I love the example, so I keep using it. Now my staff probably hates it. But I like <laughs> to, I, I bring it to, if you're working with someone building your house, and you walk in with a home, a builder, and you go and you're walking around. You're not going to that builder. Hey, what insulation are you going to use in that wall? Well, how many? Where are we putting the studs? Right. What nails are you using? Right. What screws will you be using? No, you're hiring a builder because that builder is the expert, and you're trusting that builder to build the home and to meet all the requirements, all the local laws, and to keep you and your family safe. That the house isn't going to fall apart when you walk into it. Right. We are no different. IT providers are no different. We are being asked as experts to provide solutions. However, what we, what a lot of IT providers do, and, and we've all made the mistake, and I've been there, and I like to think I've matured, and I'm far from perfect. There's, you know, th things I do is it's always be learning. Mm -hmm. But one of the things is we have to stop selling IT as a commodity. It's not little pieces. It's not. Oh, you want antivirus endpoint protection? No problem. Let me sell you endpoint protection. Sure. You want you, Microsoft 365? No problem. Here's Microsoft 365. We sell a, a an overall solution to protect your business, 
to help secure your business, meet any regulatory bodies that you need to meet mm -hmm. in the different states that you're in new, with New York Shield coming to help you to meet those compliance uh, requirements. And it's not pick or choose. It's not, well, I want to save $10. Can we lose a few of those things in between? No, this is my stack to protect you. This is what we offer. And this is how I'm able to, and I will never guarantee we'll make them hack proof because I like to tell any clients and prospects, if anyone ever guarantees you're never going to be hacked, they're lying to you <laughs> exactly. and run as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah. My job is to understand your risk, understand your business, and to help minimize risk as far as possible. And with the stack we're providing, we are providing the best overall solution to help minimize that risk and close as many gaps as possible. And you're, again, hiring me because I'm the expert. So I understand the price might not be where you want, but I, if I start picking and choosing, I'm not going to get to that that tag up safety and now i'm putting myself at risk my insurance company at yeah. risk because yeah. overall when something happens and everyone likes to say oh well i have a sheet of paper a denial of service okay or i told them about it yeah that only holds up so much every stake is different mm -hmm. every judge is different however a lawyer wants to fight it so i'd rather not even put myself into that situation will will i use the denial of service i'll use the denial of service to try to give a final pushing scare to say yeah. hey if we're going to do this i'm going to make you sign this denial yeah. of service if they ultimately still say they're going to sign the denial of service a lot of times i say you know what i thought about it we're just not a good fit for one another. yeah um and most of the time when you start to push back and people will respect the fact that you're standing by your product and they understand you're not doing it to nickel and dime them or make money you're standing by that product because it's ultimately it's going to protect them no, and and you have their that, best interest at heart. You're nailing the trusted advisor uh, role there in that case. I mean, you know, the, the standard is going to be the standard. And if you're not going to fit the standard, I do love the sales tactic of the close, though. I mean, what a great trial close of coming in to, you know, denial of service doc and like, but right. at the end of the day, you know, uh, and this really leads into my next, next question. I don't want to take words out of your mouth, but you know, what, what advice do you have for other MSPs? Because you've already given them some good advice uh, on this question. What advice do you have for other MSPs that may not feel comfortable pushing back on their clients? You know, you, you gave them some gold there, uh, you know, over the last minute or so. But anything else, um, yeah. you know, where you feel like they should be super intentional? Just stop being afraid. Yeah. You, you know, I'm not a risk taker, but this isn't a risk. This is... It's, it's business 101 stand by what you, you what you're comfortable doing you have to drive that sales conversation don't allow a client to drive that sales conversation and stick by what you ultimately believe is right um and most of the time you're going to help sell sell that and bring them into what you want them to yeah an example being not even the it side let's take a, a call i had last week with on the home side we got a, I got a call from a, a, a prospective client looking to, uh, he wanted to go install an indoor TV outdoors. <laughs> and his ultimate goal was he's going to just, he wants it to be put on a mount so he could take it off and on every night. So when he goes out inside, if it's raining, and I, I had this whole conversation here. Well, first off, an indoor versus an outdoor TV is very different, brightness. You can't take a TV. If you're removing a TV every day, you're working the mounts and all this. And we spoke about outdoor TVs. 
and I gave him pricing and we hung up and he called me back a week later. He goes, all right, I thought about it. I'm ready to go with an indoor TV outdoors. How much to hang it? I said, I can't do that. I can't take an indoor TV and charge you to hang it. God forbid you work that mountain, the TV falls on you because you're taking off. God forbid it rains and you go to grab it and get electrocuted. Ultimately, it's my risk. Yeah. He goes, tell me more about those outdoor TVs again. I'll call you back. An hour later, he calls me back. And on this week, we're installing an outdoor TV the right way and everything. So, and it wasn't me, right? Well, I make, am I ultimately making a couple of dollars more by, because I, I got to sell him a TV as well? Yes, but it wasn't, that wasn't the goal. The goal is if I put an out, indoor TV out here for this guy and he gets killed or electrocuted or like, that's on me. Yeah. So it's to push him to do the right way. Yeah. It wasn't to make the extra money. It was due to the right way, and he saw that. It wasn't me just trying to swindle him out a few more dollars. And when I said, no, I can't do that, he's like, well, I thought the conversation the other day, you were willing to do it. I said, for your own safety, I'm not willing to do it. So if you're looking to do that, you're going to have to find someone else or do that yourself. Yeah. Great example and, of not being afraid to call it what it is, right? I mean, that's perfect. Right. So And, and it, it's just standby and, and really... Do what's best for your clients. Do what's best for, always have their best interest at your heart. And when you do, it shines through in every conversation. You know, your customers can tell when you're being sincere and genuine and you really have that best conversation. And it's okay also to say at times when it's, you're not a good fit for that client. Mm -hmm. And that might ultimately come back to a great referral yeah. or, or even bigger deal. And I've done that many times where I've been in a conversation and I say, you know what? I don't think we're a good fit. I think we, you might be a little too small for us rather than a lot of times some clients will, you know, IT providers will take on that smaller client. Right. And then in the end they start to be a thorn and then they don't treat them right. Right. I don't want that there. I want to make sure all of my clients are always treated right. So if, if I think you're too small or it's not going to be worth it, I honestly say, here's where I don't think we're a good fit. Let me see if I can help refer you to someone that will, you know, can, will take your size work. And I can't tell you how many times that person has then referred me to another business. It comes back. You just, again, always be honest and have yeah. someone's best interest at heart. No, that's, that's great advice. I mean, it does, uh, you know, what goes around comes around. You treat people right, you know. Yeah, you may lose the uh, the fish for the day, but you just keep catching after that. You know, you're just yep. doing things right. Hey, guys, here with a quick break from our show to remind you to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you have suggestions for future episodes or you want to be a guest on the podcast, email us at podcast at connectbooster.com or send us a message on Facebook or Twitter, and we'll be sure to point you in the right direction. Lastly, to find out more about our guests, check out their information in the podcast description. Thanks for listening to the Confessions of an IT Business Owner. Let's get back to the show. There's some really good factors in there that that you had um, that you had shared about, you know, how your team determines and you determine if a prospect's a right fit. Anything else that are like uh, non-negotiables or red flags that you guys use in your process to to make sure you're bringing on the right clients for Techie Geek? Yeah, sure. Uh, you have to like Star Wars. You have to like Game of Thrones. <laughs> we give them a list of movies. Yeah, it's fine. We give them a whole list and they have to go through. Um, no, so red flags. And, and, and when you are meeting with a prospect, and, and most business owners have heard that, you're, they're not just interviewing you. You should be interviewing them as well. And looking for red flags. I've 
was in a, a prospect meeting very early on in my in my business, and it was a, a law firm who had two locations, one in Manhattan, one in Staten Island, uh, the 15 people, VPN, and he tells me, you know what, our current IT provider just got sold, and they, they sent us an email, they will not work with us anymore. And in my head, I'm like, wow, why would they do that? After about 15, 20 minutes of the conversation with the guy, I knew why they would do it. The server was like nine years old. Right. There was nothing on any of the computers in terms of protection. And I'm sitting in the conference room and he, a, a, a very prestigious lawyer who's been in the field for 30 plus years and we're having a conversation. And this was, like I said, again, six, seven years ago when my prices were ridiculous, like super cheap. Like yeah. I think about what I gave it away for him, like, wow, like. And I sat in this room with him and I, I spoke about prices and he goes, whoa, you IT people are all the same. You, you know, you all think I didn't need technology 30 years ago. I didn't need it 10 years ago and I don't need it now. So my budget for IT is $500 a year. And you tell me how you want to provide that service. And I looked at him honestly, I said, I'll tell you, I'll give you two hours. You let me know how you want to spread that across the year. And, and, and that was it. And at that point, I, and that was one of the very early on in a relationship with a prospect that I realized we are interviewing them as well. Yeah. So red flags you're looking for is, you know, we look for is, is a, do they have budgets? And you honestly, you look at their current it, you know, solutions, right? If they have nine, 10 year old computers, there's probably a reason for mm -hmm. it. You know, if, it's not that their IT guy ignored them and right. he ain't just didn't offer them. If, if a business owner with nine-year-old computers had to actively make that decision to just allow it to keep going. Any sure. real business owner would say, oh my God, that computer's nine years old. It's probably time I, I, I replaced that many years prior to that. Right. Um, and, and, and we see that time and time again. So I look for the type of equipment and, and you look for that conversation on their understanding of security and risk. And, and you look for that ultimate, that's never going to happen to me. Because once you hit that, it's never going to happen to me mentality. Anything that you say, it's, they don't believe it's ever going to happen to them. Right. So nothing you say will switch that over. And you honestly, you can't change people. Uh, I've been with a prospect where I've, after doing a risk assessment, have shown them on paper $20 million in risk because how many thousands of social security numbers were just on their server and they still weren't willing to make that decision. And you got to know that ultimately, once you have that conversation, get out. Yeah. Not my fight at that point, right? Not my fight. Right. It just becomes your risk. Yeah. No, that's... I want to keep my risk as low as possible. No, that's great advice. Appreciate, appreciate those thoughts. Um, I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit here. Um, 2021 predictions for Techie Geek. I know we've come off a, a unique year in, in 2020. I don't mean to... Uh, date us or, you know, kind of rehash the subject that I know everyone's talking about. So, you know, I'd love to be a little more forward thinking than, than what was going on in 2020. Uh, what do you guys see? What do you guys see in the next six months? What do you guys see in the next 12, 18 months for, for your organization? Yeah. So what we're seeing now is the, the beginning of, you know, being in New York and being in the, the original epicenter yes. of yep. the pandemic, it made it really tough, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I, had to pivot a little bit when, mm -hmm. in 2020. Everyone says, well, IT services were essential. Where were you going? Well, the problem is when your clients can't pay you, do you just not provide their service? Right. How? What type of person would I be if 
I said, oh, you know what? We're in a pandemic. You are, you're not making no money, but you still need me because you're trying to do things, but I'm not servicing you. Right. So we allowed our books to go uh, get a little more out of control than we normally would. But thankfully, we have Connect Booster to keep us in check and to remind <laughs> the clients about that. Um, but we're seeing now as we're, you know, here we are in, in the end of the first quarter of 2021, we're seeing things to start really reopening in New York. We're seeing business owners understand that, okay, we are getting, thankfully, onto the other side of this pandemic. Mm -hmm. They've survived the pandemic and starting to realize, all right, let's start spending money again. Let's start doing what they need to do. So yeah. we're seeing um, business and we're starting to close deals again. We went a number of months in 2020 where, thankfully, I only had one client go out of business. And we only, so we only lost one client. Yeah. But we didn't have that growth that we had year after year. Sure. It was the first time in, in, in Techie Geek's existence that we didn't grow. Yeah. And I still count that as a win. I kept my staff employed the whole time. We actually grew my staff. I brought on a marketing uh, 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 person to help do videos. So I'll count that as a win. Financially, it wasn't a win, but it will be. And I know everything we did will continue to help us to grow in 2021. We're finally seeing those deals start to close yeah. um, that we've been working on a long time. And I'm seeing uh, more uh, regular type events becoming happening again. That's going to help us to pick it right back up. But I also did some things that were different. Yeah. I started a virtual event business almost where okay. when, so we host virtual events um, on a platform called Remo. Mm -hmm. And actually the first time I saw the Remo platform was on an ASCII event early, early on in, yeah. in, in, in the, in the um, pandemic. And I went on this and I said, wow, this platform is great. And I started doing research with it. And then I started talking to the local chamber of commerce and they're like, oh, we've been looking into it too. So we worked out a deal where we work together. We run all the chamber events um, and with them we've partnered and we host events for newspapers throughout the country. Uh, we, I'm doing, uh, I just, I've done three cannabis events for New Jersey already with, uh, we're doing another six of them. Cool. So we've pivoted and, and during that time and when we weren't able to do because the home automation the home theater that side of the business was a complete close from march to of last year till about june july sure so i use this to help pivot and, and to yeah. recoup and it's been very Smart. successful we've done a number of great events so now it's now i'm at that point well will i continue this where will that go in 2021 mm -hmm. are we still going to see virtual events be sure. a thing I'm thinking it's going to be hybrid. Mm -hmm. um, me personally, it's funny because I tell people this all the time, as much as I'm making money off virtual events, I can't wait for in-person <laughs> events again. Right. Um, but where I will tell you, especially in the IT side, I do like the virtual events because I have a family, I have a business. Right. Um, I, have a, I have a four year old, a, a one and a half year old. Yeah. I don't have that luxury to just get on a plane and fly to this IT conference in Florida, this one in Texas. So I do love the virtual events in the sense that I'm able to be a part, learn from, you know, different speakers and panelists all from the comfort of my office at uh, my leisure. So there is definitely a place for it for yeah. these major regional type events, yeah. local events, though, like Chamber of Commerce stuff. I can't wait till that gets back in person because you do get that in person. It's, it's, it's an easier sell. We're an IT provider. We have to gain trust. Can yes. I gain trust virtually? Yes. 
but it takes that much longer than when you're having a conversation in person over a beer and, and, and that. No, I, I, I agree hundred percent. And Hey, great shout out to ASCII. Go Jerry. They, they did a great job of pivoting throughout that, uh, uh, just crazy, crazy year as well. I mean, so many of the vendors, so many of the, you know, uh, trade industry shows. I mean, it was really impressive, you know, not only the MSB community, uh, you know, driving that value down to our end clients, you know, in that pivot, but um, also a big shout out to the channel as well, just for how they're able to continue engagement, you know. There was a ton of great events and ASCII I love. And Jerry, like I called Jerry when, after seeing the platform, like I'm thinking of using this. He's like, Get me, let's get on a call. He, for an hour, spoke with me, told yeah. me what he liked about Weekend. They are, they're awesome, everyone. Yeah. The, the channel as a whole really showed in 2020 what it's capable of and, and the connection and all the events and everyone helping each other and doing all these different events. You know, it's a, a channel that I'm glad to be a part of. 100%. Great place to be. Well, Mike, uh, before, before we wind down and finish up, any other... Any other thoughts at all that you want to share with the uh, audience before I let you get back to a real Friday and wind down a little bit? Yeah. No, look, um, you know, just I, I keep saying this. Don't be a, the power of no is huge. Yeah. I'm apparently going to be that no guy. Just put a big no Nothing on my Nothing wrong head. with that, man. Yeah, right. we'll, 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 but, we'll cover over. <laughs> no, no. But the power of no is huge. And that's something that takes time to mature as a business owner and understand that. Mm-hmm. Um so that is one big tip. And then I'm going to give a little tip out uh, that one that really helped me. And everyone's going to say, oh, well, that's because you're on the podcast. But that tip is something that I did as I matured as a business owner in, re- in relation to Connect Booster. And in about five years ago, I want to say I was at a, uh, a CompTIA event in Chicago. And I walked by a Connect Booster table, and they're like, "What do you do?" And they spoke about what they do, and I go, "Oh, that's great. Yeah, I use QuickBooks Online. I don't need any of this." Sure. And I walked away. Oh my God, was that the biggest mistake of my life? <laughs> and when I finally got, uh, you know, hooked up with Connect Booster, what Connect Booster helped to do for my business to help automate, to help me to, in the first, I think it was two months, recoup nearly fifty thousand dollars. Oh, past cool. due invoices yeah. that were on the street because I wasn't doing the right thing by nagging my uh, my clients. I was assuming the other services like QuickBooks Online that I was signed up for were doing it. They don't do it unless you go and hit that button email right. email. As a business owner, I don't have I didn't have the time. So thank you to Connect Booster for helping to recoup that money. And as a mature business owner, as a mature business owner. I, I definitely highly recommend if you aren't looking into Connect Booster yet or not using it, look into it. It really is an amazing product, and it's helped to get me back a number of times in terms of accounts payable. Wow, I mean, definitely not expected. Thank you. I, you know, I appreciate. No, the, really, look, the heartfelt thoughts. it really that's, is. That's I really tell awesome. everyone, it, it it was a huge help, and, and it's and it's super easy to integrate. It really is. It's a no brainer. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Well, Mike, thanks again for spending your time. Again, I know Friday afternoon, I'll, I'll say it 10 more times just to make it awkward, right? Friday afternoon. Yeah. Friday afternoon. I have no. two kids. Friday <laughs> afternoon is no different than anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, Saturday is the most challenging 
day, right? You got you now your full time. Dave and Buster's in the Riga Carousel tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Game changer, but awesome. Well, thanks again, man. Looking forward Thank to uh, looking forward to seeing you out on the road as everything starts opening up. And you enjoy your weekend, and we certainly appreciate you, Mike. Thank you. All right, take care.